Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Med- Medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome back to Wellness with Lizelle. And today I am so delighted to be joined by blogger, broadcaster and mother of two, Deborah James. In 2016, aged just 35, Deborah was diagnosed with stage 4 bowel cancer. And since then, she has poured her efforts into raising awareness about the symptoms of the disease and also sharing her experience of what it's like to live with cancer. She's the co-host of the chart-topping You, Me and the Big C podcast, sharing candid conversations about cancer alongside breast cancer survivor Lauren Mahon, hope I've said that correctly, and her Radio 5 Live colleague Rachel Bland, who has since very sadly died. Alongside all of this, Deborah has also published her book, F.U. Cancer, How to Face the Big C, Live Your Life and Still Be Yourself. Deborah, thank you so much for coming into our wellbeing studios. Thank you for finding us. <laughs> for finding, I've, I've brought the leaves with me, though, haven't I? <laughs> well, we've got a nature table going on here, if that's what you find, which, of course, is very, um, I suppose, appropriate because you were a teacher thinking about nature tables. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you were a, a deputy head, is that I right? I was a deputy head of a secondary school. So nature was not my topic. I was a computer scientist, okay. which I think is hilarious. So um, I um, taught computers, you know, IT in schools for... 14 years. That's a full-on job. I mean, secondary school, yeah. you're working in London. I was working in London, yeah. That's quite hardcore. Um, it's really hardcore, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was kind of on a, a fast track to headship, actually. Mm. Um, and that was very much my whole life. Gosh. Um, so that's what, that's all I knew was yeah. kind of education. And your two kids at the time, you had young ones there? Yeah, I, so I kind of, I had my kids early, so I um, was pregnant. Well, I had my son at 25, actually. Mm. Um, and yeah, I was the kind of person that was really creative career driven I still am um but it kind of meant that I didn't do the whole maternity leave thing I just did work you just carried on just carried on I know that feeling yeah. yes and then suddenly I got diagnosed and my entire world changed so you were 35 I was 35 at the time um and had you had any symptoms how did you know that you had cancer yeah so for me um I am vegetarian I've been vegetarian for um 25 years Wow, so that definitely not on your radar as a no. potentially high risk. No, absolutely. I was a runner. I am a runner. Um, I used to be a national gymnast, actually. So exercise and sport have always been a massive part of my life. So at the time of diagnosis, I was working out about five times a week. Um, I was really tired. So mm. one of the, I had two main symptoms. The first was that I was pooing blood. Um, and a I, lot. I mean, are we talking yeah, about a lot. A tablespoon. Or... So more than a tablespoon. Actually, wow. I wish that somebody had asked me that question. Apparently, right. that question in terms of is it more than a tablespoon? Really, I had no idea. Yeah, it's a really significant question. Um, so I had bright red blood for how long? 
for about six months on and off so it was intermittent right and I thought it was hemorrhoids yeah and um, pain do you have pain with it no I didn't have pain I had cramping sometimes and I thought initially it was hemorrhoids. I kind of went to the GP and they said, no, you know, you're fit, healthy. Sure, not high risk at all. I am not high risk at all. Mm. Um, kind of did blood tests, everything came out normal. Did they? So were yeah. they testing for what, inflammatory markers in your blood? No, like white blood so, cell count? Or? Well, yeah, just full blood count, but essentially kind of um, one of the key symptoms sometimes is anemia. But even though, um, you know, I, I actually have a pretty well-rounded diet, so I wasn't anemic. Mm. Um, so it never showed up as anemia in terms of one of my symptoms. However, I did become really tired, not because I was anemic. It just transpired that by the time I was diagnosed. So because I went on, I kept on going back to the doctors and they basically kept on saying to me, no, I think you're OK. And I even did um the bowel cancer screening test which was um it's called um, a fit test and what does and, that involve well essentially it involves basically pooing and scraping your poo onto a card mm. and that came back as negative as well no way yeah but this is what people don't know and it's oh, part Deborah. of something that i campaign for yeah is that the test that is currently in place which is now as of september this year being changed right is actually only accurate in 50% of the time. And it's very, very um, inaccurate in younger women, mainly because the way that they present themselves in terms of muconious tumours, it doesn't show up on the testing. People don't know that. Um, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be testing. You should absolutely be mm, testing. Have every test you can, have but be every, aware that be, there's be aware. A, a strong yeah. And so... So I came back as kind of negative for everything. And then it got to the point where I referred myself to have a colonoscopy because mm -hmm. I knew that there was an issue. Mm. Um, and, well, as soon as I had a colonoscopy, they found a six and a half centimetre tumour, um, which at the time we thought was benign, but it transpired that it had already spread to my lungs and I had seven tumours in my lungs as well. Oh my goodness. So what happened from there? I mean, that must have been an absolute earth-shattering, yeah. life-changing moment. What was going through your head when they told you so that? So of all the things, so I am a massive hypochondriac. Like, <laughs> I basically would always think that I would be dying from a brain tumour. You know, I'd if have, you had a headache. If I had a was, headache. Yeah. Um, and yeah, never, because I didn't tick any at high risk boxes never ever did I think it would be bowel cancer I thought worst case scenario and the specialist told me maybe it might be Crohn's right that's what yeah, they thought sure. I could be sort of digestive a digestive kind disorder. of thing yeah mm -hmm. absolutely IBS, that kind of thing absolutely well mm. initially it was IBS but the key thing with IBS is that you should never have blood with IBS okay that's good to know. and that's kind of one of the red flag things mm -hmm. so as soon as you have blood with IBS that is a kind of like a sure sign it's not a sure sign of cancer but it's a sure sign that you need to go and get yourself checked but something else is going yeah. on do and you get blood loss with with Crohn's yeah you can oh interesting yeah you can because of the um, because when the digestive tract is really inflamed Mm. Um, it can cause kind of crampy, bloody diarrhea. Um, and that was what I was presenting with, essentially. Right. So fair enough, they thought that could have been. Yeah, that. fair enough. And then, but then it was so obvious. Mm, I mean, I sure. saw it on the screen. Did you at the time? Yeah, so I you was. Can see during, yeah, I could the, see. The test. And because I was so worried, I Googled already what it should look like, what a normal colon looks like. Right. And mine didn't look like that. <laughs> 
so I was thinking, oh no. And what did the doctor say at the time when they were actually um, doing the screen? He was amazing. At the time, that's, that's not looking. No, at the time, because you're kind of under sedated. Well, I wasn't even sedated at the time. I knew something was wrong mm. because um, everything got very, very serious in the room. Right. And everything got very quiet. Okay. So the, atmosphere they, changed. the atmosphere changed. They just took loads of biopsies. Then mm. ten minutes later, he said, "I know that you know that we found something," and he came back and he said, "You do have a tumor. In my professional opinion, it's cancerous." I know that he knew a hundred percent it was cancerous. Really? He referred me immediately to a surgeon. They waited for the biopsies, but they and knew how long it was, was that to wait? I saw the surgeon the next day. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I saw. Oh, because they knew. They knew. I I was on the MRI scanner within twenty four hours. So what I didn't know is that I didn't realise how, um, you know, a lot of people as soon as they're diagnosed, unfortunately, with bowel cancer, when you're diagnosed, you know, in in a lot of young people, by the time you get to the diagnosis, it's already spread. Right. Um, and Is that because it's so fast growing in younger people? No, it's just because it's so difficult to detect. And most people assume it's other things such as IBS. Mm. I've also heard that you can have hidden blood. Is it occult blood? Yes. In stool samples. So there can yeah. actually be a blood presence that you don't even see with the yes, naked eye. Absolutely. That's entire, and it depends where the tumour is in your digestive mm-hmm. tract. So the reason that my blood was bright red is because my tumour was low down. It was in my sigmoid junction, which meant that actually it didn't have very far to travel. Had my tumour, which for me was probably a positive sign because it meant that I could see what was going on. Mm. If the tumour had been higher up, actually um, that bleeding would maybe come out in a slower way and it would present itself maybe as a dark stool um, right. or a different type of stool. And so it's the, the key thing with, with bowel cancer and one of the reasons it's so hard to detect is you have to know your body and you have to know what's normal for you. And if something changes, that's when you need to push and that's when you need to say, this isn't right for me. That's a really interesting point for any kind of health condition, isn't it? Yeah. We are experts in our own bodies. It's yeah. like mothers are so often instinctively expert in saying to the doctor, actually, you may think this is flu, but I know that this is something Somebody more seriously and we yeah. need to escalate it. And you do know, like, I knew that it was something else and I can't, describe that second you know you have this sense Mm. that something isn't right and the funny thing it was not funny but I look at myself now I look so much better now that I've been diagnosed and I'm undergoing treatment than I did at the time but I didn't realize did you what think it was stress of working you had a high pressure job absolutely yeah everything I was I was knackered but I didn't realize I was drinking like loads you know when you just kind of drink loads of tea and coffee to keep yourself awake Mm. and I didn't realize that the reason I I, I'm not actually a big tea and drink uh, tea tea and coffee drinker um she says sitting with a cup of tea in front of you but I found it amazing that I was kind of having to get myself through the day, having to drink tea and coffee to keep myself awake. Mm. And I only now realise it's because I was so tired because of the bowel cancer. And was that because the cancer was was moving fast and multiplying and sapping your energy? Is that why people feel tired when they have cancer? Yeah. See, do you know, I don't actually know. It depends on the metabolism of that particular cancer. With bowel cancer, most often the reason people feel tired is because they're anemic. Um, with me that wasn't the case Um, I just think 
from a non-medical perspective it's because your body is trying to deal with something it's fighting a real battle battle Mm. behind the scenes yeah um and you just are not you know there's nothing you can do at that point because you don't know what's going on so there's nothing you can Mm. do to support it so i was basically losing weight but i assume that i was losing weight because i was working out loads yeah there's always another reason as to why something's happening if you want to try and think about it in that way in that way um so and I just think yeah so unfortunately by the time I was diagnosed it was we didn't actually know at the time that they managed to cut out my tumor I was told that I would need um a stoma bag yeah but I didn't need one which is so you were taking all this in instantly literally you know it's kind of you went in for a test and you basically stayed there yeah came out with cancer and that's been my life ever since and how did you break the news to your family so um parents and stuff immediately Mm. my children how old were they they were seven and nine at the time so old enough to understand old enough to understand yeah absolutely until we knew for certain because the thing is with bowel cancer and and actually with a lot of other cancers is when they are caught early they're absolutely the survival rates are phenomenal more people would live for 10 years with cancer than will die from it and that's something that we need to remember Mm. And bowel cancer is a really good example. Breast cancer is exactly the same. When it's caught at stage one or stage two, actually the only treatment you need is the operation. So So what are the stages for people who are are newbies to hearing about cancer? What would people talk about stage one, stage two, stage three? What does it mean? Well, it changes with each type of cancer and that's where it becomes a little bit complicated. Um, But on the whole, generally, stage one means that it's very localised. It's a very localised tumour. It hasn't kind of infiltrated into your lymph nodes or even into, like, say, the walls of your colon, for example. That means that essentially it can be cut out. Pretty much you don't actually need much other treatment beyond that. For example, if it's a melanoma, you can you can cut that out. If it's um, a bowel tumour, you can cut that out. The same with um, a very early stage breast cancer. The survival rates are way into the 90s. As soon as you get into stage two and three, it means it's starting to infiltrate the tissue in the area around it. So, for example, and bearing in mind that, you know, brain tumours and things like leukaemia are slightly different, so they have their own grading systems. But, for example, with bowel cancer, as soon as it's stage two or stage three, it means it's grown into the the wall of the colon. And in my case, initially, they thought it was stage three where the lymph nodes in the surrounding area starts to become cancerous. So when they removed my tumour, kind of eight lymph nodes in the surrounding area were full of cancer. And that's dangerous because lymph spreads throughout the body. Yes. So it's a quick way of circulating it's a quick cancerous way. cells yeah. around the body. Absolutely. And then there's a risk as soon as it's in the lymph nodes that it can spread anywhere else. With me, it did spread. And when it's stage four, and this is generally across the board, stage four means it's metastasized. So it means it's moved from one site to a secondary site. Um, and sometimes that happens at presentation of diagnosis. Sometimes it might happen years down the line. Um, with me we discovered you know I remember I had my bowel tumor out went for a follow-up scan and it was kind of so let's talk about your lungs and I was thinking oh, you're joking so me. why did they scan your lungs they give you a whole body scan you get a whole body scan see yeah. if it's migrated yeah. somewhere and else. there's a kind of with different cancers there's a common path that they Is might there? follow and I was like it's, it sounds really weird like what I kept on saying to my surgeon why would um bowel cancer go to the lungs Mm. and there's two pathways it will often go to the lungs or the liver 
and it's to do with this, the fact that your central vein runs up from your colon all the way into your lungs and that's the way that the blood is pumped so the cancerous cells essentially that's how the first place that they might migrate to and the same if your tumor is slightly located higher up in your colon the the uh, supply of blood goes through your liver first. Right. Um, so how did they then say what was the next course of action? So the next course of action for me was was chemotherapy. Um, but again, if I had only been stage one or two, I wouldn't have needed chemotherapy. Um, but as soon as you know, kind of it starts to spread. But um, essentially, for me, um, yeah, I had I had ended up having to have twenty one cycles of chemotherapy. Which was a bit mad. So I had three different types of chemotherapy for a year to stabilise me. And that's where they basically shut down your immune system completely? Um, they pretty much detox it, I think, yeah. is probably more the, more the kind of... Right. But I, I had it alongside a type of hybrid immunotherapy that made mm. the chemotherapy work better. And that's where they take your cells? No, it's or... not as complex as that. Okay. The type that I had was not as complex as that. The type that I had essentially allows the chemotherapy to get to the cancerous tumors better it's a kind of it's a it's a um it's almost like the baby version of immunotherapy but it's quite an interesting drug actually mm. so you must have been quite yeah. a pioneer no that, unfortunately that... no th this one is actually quite quite new what it's established. I yeah it's quite established the thing that i have just had that's quite pioneering is literally last week um my cancer came back again well it kind of never really went i did officially get into remission for for a little bit um and it came back 12 weeks later and i've just finished cyber knife treatment cyber knife yeah what is that so i my cancer came back in so we we managed to remove seven tumors out of my lungs so i've had a lung resection and that's extremely tricky to do that isn't it it's extremely tricky you can see like my um my big Ooh, skull yeah, yeah. Very, very attractive Lovely. which is really attractive <laughs> and it's kind of like this that's nothing in comparison to my big one that runs down there but the i've had ablation operations as well where they've basically burnt out the tumors inside of my lungs and i got to the point where we had removed all seven lungs sorry lungs all seven tumors gosh and i had a 12-week window earlier in this year where mm. i was actually cancer-free which was that a must miracle. Have felt amazing. Yeah, it was a miracle. So only eight percent of people make it through five years with with stage four bowel cancer. So to go from like stage four to remission is incredibly on is incredibly mm. rare. And then we knew that it wasn't going to last, but I did everything that I possibly could to try to make it last. And my my oncologist said, "Don't play that game," and it it mm. it came back. And um, it came back, it wrapped itself around an artery, which is deemed incurable and inoperable um, because you can't basically cut out your artery. So then I was approved for cyber knife treatment, which is incredibly targeted radiotherapy, where I was given 35 days of radiotherapy in the space of three days by a robot that kind of moves around my body. Um, and I finished that last week. And I ran two days later. What? Yeah. You are a miracle woman. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How, how did you feel during that intensive radiotherapy? Does it make really you really sick, sick? Really sick. So it's supposed to not make you sick, but for some reason I was really sick um, properly. Yeah, I would come off the, um, the bed, vomit for about six hours, and then have to do it all again. <laughs> so this is, it's slightly surreal talking to you, Deborah, because you look so well and so lovely <laughs> talking you. to you. You know, you've, your skin is great and your eyes are twinkly. And does it feel surreal to you to be talking yeah. about? Does it feel like an out-of-body experience that you're actually talking yeah. in the third person about yeah. something about that's something happened else. to somebody else? This is the weird thing, like right now, because I'm like, I'm actually now in a bit of limbo where I'm kind of, I'm not on active treatment. I've just had some treatment. I'm now waiting to see what happens next. I most likely have cancer somewhere in my body, but um, until I have some more scans and stuff, it's like hide and seek. It's like hide and seek to go and scan it and say, "Where are you?" I call like spat the tumor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like spat the tumor. So I'm kind of like we won't know the effects of this cyber knife treatment for another kind of month or so. Then we can make a decision depending on what, if anything, has cropped up, and Mm. we'll like plan the next plan of attack Mm -hmm. the weird thing is despite a bit of tiredness because of cyber knife i actually feel quite well at the moment so i like i'm running a half marathon this weekend you are what yeah i did ask i did check i said is it medically sound and they just i would not run a half marathon what are you talking about woman they said i did say say to my oncologist i was like am i safe to do this and i think he looked at me as i was like barking mad Mm -hmm. so i was just like i did 15k yesterday so i was like if i can do 15k i can do Do you think the endorphins are carrying you through is that part exercise is a massive part of my life yeah like it's the only thing that um gives me mental headspace in terms of to deal with what i'm dealing with yes um, and it makes me feel better. Yeah. And because you were running previously, yeah, you were in a good space. Was yeah. It as if you were starting from No, scratch. although the weird thing, because I, um, because I had a lot of lung operations, mm-hmm. I couldn't do anything at the time because actually it would have been dangerous for me. Um, and so, so, you had I, had, scratch, so really. I had to start from scratch. And uh, when I finished my chemotherapy, I finished my chemotherapy in February this year and I couldn't run a K 
without coughing and spluttering my guts up because of all the kind of after effects from my mm. operations and I also had um, numb hands and feet from um, the chemotherapy so mm. I had really really bad neuropathy up to my knees so my knees were numb basically and then I used acupuncture um, and just basically trained and went from being able to kind of walk K to running 10K. That's um, very interesting, the acupuncture. Is that quite well known amongst people having chemo that it can help? Yeah, so you have to be really careful in terms of how and when you use it. But I actually have it at the Marsden, so I'm treated at the Royal really? Marsden. Yep, it's an approved. So it's, it's something that is given to patients if it's deemed, you know, beneficial for um, that's interesting yeah so for me um it was used for to manage my neuropathy and i went from having no feeling i say no feeling my hands i couldn't undo buttons i couldn't wear heels because i can't balance and i went from basically having to take daily um pain relief with my hands to being able to well i wrote a book wow if that makes sense in terms yes. of then being know, up to type and yeah and then it's, it's never going to be 100% perfect yeah. but you know what it's great in yeah. comparison so what about other therapies that you've been using alongside that have you tried anything else so for me it's for me exercise is my therapy if I'm being really honest with you so I'm really um I advocate massively um complementary not alternative and it has to be evidence-based um and for me I if I'm being really honest with you, I I get hundreds of emails, as I'm sure lots of people do, uh, who maybe are in my position on a daily basis saying, have you tried? Oh, gosh. <laughs> and yeah, um, that's kind I, of deep breath. Yeah. I, I think that there, and we know with evidence-based research, that there is absolutely a place for complementary medicine mm-hmm. yeah. when it comes to cancer. Yeah. And there is a there is a proven link in terms of exercise, for example. Patients who undertake exercise whilst they are undertaking, whilst they are undergoing treatment, have less hospital emissions, have less incidences of anxiety, are less depressed, have a better quality of life. Mm. However, you want to, you know, measure that. Mm. Um, it doesn't prolong your life, but it gives you a um, a more healthy time. Yes that you do have yeah. so that and that's what I, you know i want to see the evidence with stuff mm. acupuncture the reason the marsden uses acupuncture is because there is a proven link that it can reduce pain it can improve tiredness and it can reduce neuropathy um, and then there's a whole wealth of other things mm, that it can fascinating. do when i was writing my gut health book um, a year or so ago i came across some research saying that probiotics can help improve chemo outcome yes. is that something that you've come across yeah it depends on the chemo yeah i have immunotherapy is the, the key one that it's kind of the researchers goes are, alongside that goes alongside it so, so do you take probiotics no or, or not at the moment for your gut not at the moment so but i know that that is where there so my my oncologist is the head of research in the marsden um and a lot of research uh, that he does is on the microbiome of the gut mm. um in terms of what that means kind of mainly in terms of diagnosis actually and early prevention um and i find it incredibly fascinating the thing that i uh w- 
because I'm not on any treatment at the moment, I'm kind of like I literally just let you go. That's it. You you, you know you stop the extreme yeah, treatment and it's yeah just for, just see, see you in a bit. See, see you in a bit. Just just temporarily until something else grows. Do you need pain relief? No. I mean, I'm running, or you know, I'm running. The only thing I have pain, painful is, unfortunately, because I had loads of lung operations, I have permanent nerve damage in one of my sides. Um, but I don't need painkillers for it. I can generally, she says, stretching out here and going, oh. Um, I am very, very interested in the gut. I think the gut is an incredibly interesting yeah. organ. Um, the thing that I don't like is um, there are a lot of dangers in terms of even supplements that people take, as you would know. Mm. And so the first thing that people tell you when you have cancer is take turmeric, take turmeric. I use a, a website um, called aboutherbs.com, which is um, set up by Sloan Kettering. Sloan Kettering is obviously um, the kind of main cancer centre. Yeah, in, yeah um, I, I know it's a very good you website. Know, it's a really good website, mm. isn't it? And the thing that I find amazing about that website is that there are contradictions and there are kind of cautions and I find it really um, quite, um, well, not not just annoying, really irresponsible, actually, when people advocate practices that are really, really dangerous. Um, apricot kernels or whatever it is. Yes, the cyanide and apricot kernels, that's been around for a long yeah. time. But there are lots of things that are proven yes that will support but it's it's wading through the rubbish but also i think it's it's so specific isn't it i think that's yeah. the thing that we're understanding yeah. about cancer you can't just say oh it's a tumor take this or do that yeah, yeah. because there's so many different kinds there's and so many if you think we have a hundred trillion microbes in our body yeah all working in different ways we're yeah. all going to react differently to virtually everything which yeah. is why it's so hard to, and it's to really dangerous it. even for like some people who ha maybe have an estrogen receptive tumor mm. for them to take tumor uh, turmeric for example because it's an estrogen based product actually it can be really dangerous for them mm. and it can almost hinder some of the chemotherapy so you really need to know yourself some of the you herbs have... are truly very powerful which is yeah. know, why they have an effect and why yeah, you have yeah. medical herbalists so i think absolutely you're right everything needs to be taken with full medical knowledge and yeah, yeah. understanding and understanding so you don't come into yeah. problems later and, and yeah. sort of counter what you're yeah. doing yeah. in other ways and i think it actually puts um obviously i'm one of my best friends rachel died recently mm. from breast cancer and how, how did you know her did you meet her on the cancer we met circuit? online yeah on the cancer circuit <laughs> you know we were, we were cancer buddies um but i think that one of the thing that one of the things that really kind of gets my back up is people assume that you can cure your own cancer and i think it's a really dangerous place to be because don't you think anybody sitting in my position would take Wants anything to. and do anything mm, they possibly can people talk about this cancer battle and yeah. fighting it what, what what's your view on that um i believe do you fight cancer now no i can't fight my cancer you know why i believe that i can make my body healthy right so that's what i do believe um i believe and the reason i want to do that is because it means that i can then take even more treatments that are thrown at me and I can boost my immune system so that I can kind of I, I went through 21 cycles of immunotherapy but I believe that's because I have a pretty strong immune system that just pretty much carried so your on focus is on on the well body yeah. being able to be better equipped to fight yeah the bad cancer absolutely rather than focus, focusing on fighting the bad cancer yeah um a hundred because well, the, 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 th the thing that I I, it's not I experimented, but basically I got into remission earlier this year, which was a miracle. And I thought, 
okay hang on a moment come on then come on green green smoothies Let, let's see what bring this it is on. bring it on <laughs> and i uh i did everything that i possibly could and my cancer came back and um you feel like a failure mm. you feel like an absolute failure because you feel like well you know the other person that's advocating that they cured their cancer yeah. they probably didn't they probably just got quite lucky that's it. it just seems to be a lottery doesn't it is, is it's you know, whether you get into remission is it spontaneous remission you know we know through any kind of therapy there's a and medication there's at least a 30 percent placebo effect yeah. so do anything and 30 percent of and the 30%, people are going to yeah, get better yeah. Yeah, and yeah. say oh it's because i yeah. you know rubbed myself with this quartz egg yeah and healed something yeah and i think it's it's also kind of it's not i'm i'm not saying don't do it because you have to do the things that make you feel good but don't do it sure. thinking it's going to cure your cancer do it because it makes you feel better about mm. yourself and was that um, the, the outline for your book because your book f you cancer <laughs> f dot 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 you cancer i'm sorry i can't bring myself to say the word that's right um that's my, why it's my, asterisks it's, it's my we have a lot we have a lot of asterisks <laughs> with it how to face the big c live your life and still yeah. be yourself it, did you feel that there was a gap for for this sort of direction for people with cancer yeah i do because i think that people assume that um you get cancer and you have to run away and hide in a kind of in a hole and I thought that I thought I would lose my hair I thought I would you what happened to your hair because you've got beautiful hair <laughs> thank you fabulously um... thick dark hair <laughs> did you do anything to protect it did you wear an ice cap and I all wore an ice things? cap but it's a myth that not all treatments will make you lose hair right. so especially with bowel cancer I just and then somebody will say oh did you have easy chemo and I'm like no 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 you should see I'm my sure hands are no numb such thing as <laughs> yeah. easy chemo. and um no it's just one of those it's just a myth uh, some a lot of treatments you will lose your hair but not mm. all treatments mm-hmm. um but yeah I just I just felt that actually you need sometimes permission to not be okay you need permission to sure. to kind of like um to just be yourself a little bit and remember that you can still be yourself and cancer shouldn't really define you um and it's it's really rubbish it's really rubbish going through kind of chemotherapy but the thing that really annoyed me was i would be going through chemotherapy and i would be vomiting like 24 hours straight Mm -hmm. and somebody would say to me oh why don't you eat x y and z but i'm a massive believer that your body will tell you what it wants to eat and i just had a bowel resection um and i so my bowel basically went back to being that of a kind of child of a baby and you can read all these things about what you should be eating after a bowel resection and everything but you know what my body said i wanted to eat mashed potato and one of the chapters is mashed potato and red wine (laughs) and i turned around to my surgeon and he had me on a liquid diet and i was like i just want mashed potato and I did. And it was the first meal that I ate. It was, it got my bowel reworking and it just made me feel better. Mm. And I'm just this, like, you know, I'm a, I, I will say drink, I don't say drink loads of wine, but I will have a glass of wine uh, quite often. Yeah. But people yeah, also, <laughs> people also will then slag me off about that and say, well, why are you advocating it? I'm like, no, no, I'm not advocating it. I'm You're saying, saying this if is you what want you, to, you want to do mm. then don't feel bad about doing mm. it because also when i feel really sick my body says don't have wine right it's telling you something 
And it's amazing, like it is a quite, I know when I'm really ill, like I when I had cyber knife last week, I know when I'm really ill because I didn't drink alcohol all week. And even my husband was like, wow, <laughs> you must like, be bad. You must be really bad. <laughs> what's going on here? But I do, I just kind of, I just think that actually people are, are quite hard on themselves sometimes. And I learned from Rach, um, so Rachel Bland, like a lot in terms of actually you have to control the things that you can control you can Mm. control your mental well-being you can control kind of if you can exercise then then go out and do that um and control your relationships and control kind of like the things around you make your life easy Mm. and leave your cancer up to experts and make your body as strong as possible i think i mean that is just fantastically great guidance for anybody who may be facing this dreadful diagnosis how do you then put that into practice with your own family with your husband and your children how how does that play out yeah so we live much more in the now rather than in the future it's a good place to live it's quite a fun place to live actually Mm. it's much more fun we kind of do whatever we want now (laughs) (laughs) so i would say that i'm guilty of somebody who used to live in the future i always used to live in the future so many of us do i do it too (laughs) and I don't know whether I have a future so I don't even I shouldn't have even been sitting here now I could be scanned in three weeks time and be told that my cancer is everywhere right but then actually that's why I run because I I I run Mm. to get my exam and exam results it's kind of feels like an exam (laughs) I run to get my scan results right because I think if I can run I'm not dead yet I love that. Do you know, I, I go running, not very fast and not very far. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure you would way beat me. Um, but I was out in the park this morning and, you know, I love having favourite mantras and, and sayings in my mind and I'm I'm so going to use that one. Because yeah. I kind of think, well, okay, I might be told that cancer's everywhere, but if I can run, like, if I can run mm. the 8K to the Marsden right. to be told that the cancer's there, then then I can, like, face whatever I've got to face. Yeah. Yeah. And the podcast that you do, how did that come about? Because it, the three of you yeah. all have cancer. Yeah. Or had cancer, had, sadly, yeah. now you're down to two. Yeah. Did you meet within this sort of cancer? Is there a big online cancer community? And is that something that you would recommend people look for in the blogosphere? Yes, yeah, so I would definitely recommend, if if that's your thing, it's not mm-hmm. everybody's thing, but I would 100% recommend that you reach out to people online. Because you want to you need myself lauren and rachel who present the podcast were all diagnosed within a month of each other really so yeah real cancer sisters really ca- and we all started all the three of us are probably natural ed- educators that just wanted to talk about it and we wanted to find other people who because you started instagram is that bowel babe yeah <laughs> and you still have that I still have that yeah how do you feel about being a bowel babe yeah and now I'm kind of like oh I had to explain it last night I was at an awards thing and I was I was introduced with the prime minister with the prime Prime minister Evans just like an award thing you know you're so modest (laughs) just so yeah but I was presented on stage in front of the prime minister as bowel babe and then I said oh there is a reason for this I do actually have bowel cancer um but I just wanted to create the con the idea that actually people like me get bowel bowel cancer Mm. and demystify what it looks like um but I would recommend that actually is there's not a kind of 
a go-to place, but there's lots mm-hmm. of cancer communities. Lauren runs a cancer community called Girl vs. Cancer. And she's breast cancer. She has breast cancer. Mm. And you need, you can find a lot of like-minded people who mm-hmm. are just there at three o'clock in the morning. Right. And also it's accepting that actually as my family are amazing and my friends are amazing, but they've got a lot to deal with as well how about the children how do you how do you talk to them they're really open my son spoke at um, i did um, a literary festival at the weekend and my son i got my son up on stage to read what he wrote in my book because i just think that for me being open is what i choose mm. to do what did you say he wrote he he read um he read his piece about what it feels like when mommy has cancer and what does um, it feel like for him it feels scary, he said. Sure. He said it feels scary. But I like the fact that he's admitting to that. I think we have to allow children to feel scared and to yeah. say that it's okay to say you feel scared. Yeah. Because we all feel scared. I mean, grown-ups feel scared. I'm yeah. sure you feel scared at times. Oh, I certainly feel time. scared. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, I mean, certainly a child is going to feel scared and they need yeah. to feel secure that they can say to people that and that it's fine. Yeah. And that you'll take care of them through that process, that emotion. Yeah. But I thought that was, I think it's quite, so in the book he actually says, you know, I, the thing that changed for me was that I, I'm now really scared. But I actually think just by articulating that and being really honest about it, I think that's a really positive way forward. You've described cancer treatments in the UK as a bit of a postcode lottery. That's something that we hear before. Is that something that's really yeah. your experience, talking to that wider community of yeah, other people 100%. out there? So bowel cancer is a primary... I think I think it's, it depends via cancer. Sorry, via... Like, it changes um, in terms of the type of cancer. I would say we're much more kind of... Um, equal in terms of breast cancer um are we yeah well i would say like um and i'm just using this in terms of from the charities that i work with mm-hmm. um a lot of gynae cancers bowel cancer we're probably 10 years behind in terms of awareness access to equal drugs um than where breast cancer is so because breast cancer has had the attraction even of the kind of beauty industry actually sure. which has a lot of positives in terms of raising awareness but then if you're kind of I, i'm always kind of like cancer isn't that pink right you know? <laughs> what color does bowel cancer have a, have a color it it does but it kind of like it's not overly strongly associated with it and people aren't going to go Oh, you're wearing. You, you have know, to wear a brown ribbon. Brown ribbon. No, I think it's blue. See, the, the fact it, that I don't even no, know whether it's blue or green is really interesting. But I think I think that shows where uh, we need to kind of continue to campaign for mm. for all types of research mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for all types of cancers. Do they know why you got it? As this young, fit no. vegetarian woman. So I've been genetically tested um, because about five percent of bowel cancers are genetically tested. Is it in your family? Nope. So the main, there's two main things that will determine bowel cancer um, genetically. One is something called Lynch syndrome, which will also, actually just as many people have Lynch syndrome in the country that have BRCA, but we don't know about it, which is again a very interesting thing. So think about, as soon as I say BRCA, people know what it is. BRCA, that's the breast cancer gene. Yeah. Um, there are um, just as many people living in the UK with um, Lynch. But they and that's as likely as BRCA to give you breast cancer, to yes. give you colon cancer. Yes. And so should we be screening for that then? Um, there are, Theresa May has actually just announced um, kind of new plans for this. Was that actually, after you met her last night? After I met her. <laughs> she took it on board. Right, come on, we need to do this. So <laughs> the, the screening age is being lowered, but also at-risk people. So if people know that they have Lynch in their family, they will be brought in earlier. Mm. There's a long way to go with that. We're not there at the moment. Um, but there are plans to make it happen. Mm. It needs to happen sooner, but yeah. 
Well, I can only wish you the very, <laughs> very best of luck. I am full of admiration. Your <laughs> book you. is brilliant. We'll put all the resources on the website and the treatments and everything that we have mentioned there. Fuck you, cancer. Oh, I said it. Sorry. F you, cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't base. think even I've said that before. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Big C, live your life and still be yourself. I think that's the first and probably the last time I say that on this podcast by Deborah James. Thank you so much for <laughs> being with for us today. Me. Thank you. Now, you will find links, as I said, for the brilliant book and more over on lizardwellbeing.com you can also sign up there to the free newsletter for a lot more ways of living well well-being wisdom and inspirational interviewees such as deborah don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app as this will ensure the next episode is downloaded safely without you even having to remember and if you'd like i'd love it if you could find a moment to leave a review as it really does help other potential listeners to find the show and as you can hear we've lots of really good stuff to talk about so until the next time, go well. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.